Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. What? in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from. This is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that appreciates artists that can thrive artistically off of my personal trauma. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're making our way through the filmmakers, artists, and podcasters, and other assorted characters that made up the Panic Film Festival Vendor Pit of Misery. Mm-hmm. But let me remind you, gang, we are part of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. Clump in your vendor hole. And this is yet another a Panic Film Dispatch here. Yes. That's the cool thing about Panic Fest is not only do you get like the movies and the live podcasts and all that stuff, but you get cool shit like the Vendor Pit of Doom. The Vendor Pit of Misery. Yes, yeah, yes, Vendor indeed. Pit of, yep. Now, Doom, Misery, what have you, it was horrific regardless. Mm-hmm. It brought together all sorts of characters, but most importantly, we got so many cool artists out there. People yep. that were able to share and promote their work. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, this is, that's ba- it's the networking area yeah. is what it really is and truly over there. Uh, in fact, if you listen to our live episode, that's where we recorded at and you could hear still the hustle and of, of, going on back there and it was great people were there having just a good time commerce right and even like the free events that they had too like the shooting gallery was a blast that vr thing was dope as shit now i i don't know if i was there for this but i heard that you in true genius style did you did you scare someone i, I scared her. i'm sorry Lindsay. I, <laughs> she was like having a good time getting in it like going, oh right because like it was cool and then i was like i just came up and like Lindsay, right and i grabbed her shoulders and she's like ah! it was hilarious we strive to give you the william castle treatment and experience one way or the other there uh, i was just feeling a little honor it's pa- it's panic fest you know tis the season you know? but there were so many such a variety of vendors out there again we had uh, prescribed films we had mm-hmm. filmmakers there mm-hmm. uh, joga vargazine was there yep uh, we had the golf Art- gangster princess ggp in attendance uh-huh. uh we've had uh, uh atomic cotton there as well mm-hmm. we had a variety of Rotten Reynolds, Rotten Reynolds there. There was some artists there. Uh, Kansas City Horror Club. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really like is you do get a variety there. Uh, Mike Reeb's posters, my goodness, yeah. always taking my money. I had to get that Terror in the Isles cardboard cutout thing. You never see shit like that. Mike Reeb, he's a good dude, but I curse him every time I see him because there's always something good that I have to fucking get. It's ridiculous. Uh, Heather Wixon, check that one out. That yeah. one is, that'll make you jealous. Uh, also, shout out to uh, 1313 Mockingbird Lane, mm-hmm. uh, Flawed Fox Creations, mm-hmm. a, a lot of our friends that are out there, but friends that are supremely talented and putting yes. out some really good material, you guys. And that's what I like is the fact that you can really support a lot of the local vendors. Mm-hmm. And so we have here, we have a collection of some of our conversations. A, a motley crew, if you will, a cast of characters. <laughs> Again, yes. A, uh, what is it in uh, Star Wars? That's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so be it, the uh, vendor pit of misery there. No, these are so much... We're wanted men. <laughs> I'll be careful. You'll panic. <laughs> yeah. Bravo. Indeed. Bravo. Indeed. Bravo. Now, that's the, and actually, that's what the best part is actually just con- having fun conversations with your friends yeah. there. You know, and just the engagement. Again, it, being a hardcore introvert, just it's, sometimes it's hard for me to socialize. I had a great time doing it. I never really had any panic attacks. Believe it or not, ironically. At Panic Fest. <laughs> so there was, a, there was a beauty of that. And I give it to the, the sense of community mm-hmm. that we have there. And even the folks that are coming out of town, yeah. Midwest or beyond. Katie. The, the blonde in front. Uh-huh. Bloggers represent some of our film critics out there. So just a cast of characters. Yeah. All quirky and wonderful, and ultimately that we can call friends. Yeah, and everyone's cool, cool as shit. We've got here again is some of the conversations that we had, so we were going to basically leave it to that. But again, at Panic Fest, this is you're basically supporting local, mm-hmm. and that's what we really enjoy here. So again, from the the films, the shorts, the podcast, the the interaction with the the artists that create these things, whether they're the films, the art, or the podcast. Yeah, and and we always say that Kansas City is a genre town, and things like Panic Fest prove it and not only does it prove it to like us who go there but it proves it to some of the filmmakers and stuff you know that that you know there's something fun about all these cool local vendors doing cool vendory shit you know it's whatever whatever their flavor is it adds a little bit to the soup of kansas city and what a sweet soup it is. Yes. And whether, you know, you are the main recipe, the, the major component of it, or you're just a subtle, sweet little hint, yep. all is welcomed. And so that's what we have here then is our little Q&A sessions we did with uh, all the crazy people uh-huh. from the Vendor Pit of Misery. All the panic patrons. <laughs> the Panic Fest parishioners. Yeah, there we go. Enjoy it, you guys. We are coming back live from the Vendor Pit of Misery here at Panic Fest. This is Genius McGee, and we are joined by another one of these awesome vendors that are here. So not only at Panic Fest is there podcasts, movies, but super dope vendors, and we have local illustrator uh, extraordinaire, Rebecca. That's me. How you doing? <laughs> Good, how are you? Not bad. First of all, tell everybody where they can find you and your stuff on the social webs. All right, so I have a website, RebeccasComics.com, um, where you can see like my entire portfolio, comics, illustration, marketing stuff that I've done. Um, then it's Rebecca's Comics on Instagram and Rebecca the Buzz on Twitter. Nice, nice. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your art, like some of your what style, what kind of things you like to do, well, mediums. Right. So I feel like a lot of my art tends to be towards horror slash maybe a little gothicy. Mm-hmm. It's a little sadder usually. <laughs> um, I have three different comics I'm currently working on. One is called Ham of God, which I dig. <laughs> uh, that's my I. I love that one so much. Yeah, Hammer God is pretty good. <laughs> and the goal is to eventually animate that one. Mm-hmm. That's the end goal. But And then I'm working on a graphic novel for a local band called The Architects. And <laughs> I am so happy that I, I think I might have been that initial. You were, yeah. You messaged me like at Comic-Con a couple years ago and were like, hey, they're looking for, for an illustrator. So that should be wrapping up in the next couple months. And then nice. we'll do a big launch party for that. It was a graphic novel that goes along with their music. It's pretty sweet. Very cool. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's really well written, and it's interesting. And I think you can pick up 
A different illustrator did the first two, and you can pick those up probably at their kinda website. Kind of like variant coverage type thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. What are some of your uh, influences? Because I'm a fan of your stuff. In fact, one of your prints is hanging in my house. Oh, and yeah. so, Is that yeah. the Jason one? It's the Jason yeah. one. It's the <laughs> fucking dopest thing. What are some of like your influences or people that you would like admire and like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love... Uh, uh, Fiona Staples, who does Saga. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she like, is. Ridiculous. That's, I also love Brian K. Vaughn. I think he's, a, like, one of the best writers of our time. Like, he's amazing. Um, and then I love uh, 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 Sean Murphy. These names aren't coming to me very easy right now. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hot in here. It's one of those... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of different world in here. Um, I mean, there are just so many. Like, it's kind of hard to, like... It comes from it comes from everywhere. Like I love I love monsters. Um, uh, what's his name? I can't think of it. Right well, now. Uh, Jack Kirby. Jack, I was about to say you've got Pants a monsters. great <laughs> series <laughs> of, of Jack, Jack Kirby's Kirby monsters. Yeah. Yeah. it's really fucking great. Yeah, I love I love monsters of all types. I think that I don't know. I just kind of connect with them because they're a little quieter, a little misunderstood, and it's like I love monsters. So you know, you know, I pull st- stuff from everywhere. A lot from comics, very heavily. I love Man Thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's all over the place. <laughs> How's your has been going so far? It's been going good. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I got to play the VR, which was really fun and terrifying. Right? I jumped a couple times. I couldn't even get through the first thing. I was like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Spumoni! Because that's what Gary told me to say. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. Spumoni's the safe word. <laughs> no, that, it's, I was really impressed in how like scary it actually it was. It yeah, was enjoyable. It's like a... It's it's too much. I don't know if I could do it regularly, but now one of the bad things about being the vendors is you don't get to really go out and fully enjoy all the movies and pods. Is there anything that you have been able to go do or see or anything? Yeah, I saw Mayhem, and I thought that that was amazing. I was super happy that we went to see that. We were gonna go see Low Life last night, and then that so um, somebody I don't remember who it was described it as like a commercial Serbian film, and I was like. I don't want to see that. No. I know. I know. No, and then, like, no. I got texts, like, late last night, like, oh, you should have gone. That was so good. I was like, damn it. That's a, hmm, that, that is such a, a misnomer. Yeah. Misnomer. I was like, uh. There's no baby shenanigans or anything. I mean, there's, no, nothing like that. No, no. nothing, right. absolutely nothing like, like. Highly recommend so. Seek It Out When You Can. Right. It's well worth it. I absolutely want to see Bird Boy. I'm really excited about that one. So That's I'm playing back on, on the week. Wednesday. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Good, That's the great thing about Panic Fest, that the, the, the if you can't get it out to the weekend, you can see maybe a couple of selected ones throughout the week, right. which is good, especially for vendors. Yeah. You know? So where can our listeners, where are you going to be cropping up next here? Any local uh, conventions? I don't know yet. <laughs> Yeah. in the works uh yeah i usually stick to smaller cons so like I, like horror club does anything i usually do it um this i do maybe crypticon we might try to make it out there this year uh but yeah i mean you can just follow me on social media i'll be updating it <laughs> cool. pretty frequently well once again where can we find you on the social medias like if we want right. to check oh uh, so at rebecca the buzz twitter uh rebecca's comics instagram and then rebecca's comics.com 
Nice. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. So I know you have a screening to get Pumpkin to. Head. Yes, yeah. 30 years yeah. of terror there. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time yeah. out on that. Um, you know, you guys have heard her on Nerds of Nostalgia plenty of times on the live episodes. So yes. you're not a stranger to the podcast, but you know you're always welcome. Absolutely. Awesome. Excellent. You guys so, are great. I love you guys. Thank you. Well, so Thank good. You. You're the, the best. The beauty <laughs> of here at the uh, Bender Pit of Misery here, Rebecca, Rebecca's Comics. Uh, so anything else there, Genius? Uh, no, check, check her stuff out. I mean, seriously, it's hanging on my wall. So it's got the Genius seal of approval. <laughs> All right. So and then... Uh, uh, obviously, we're going to come back with a few more guests. Rebecca, enjoy Pumpkinhead. We will awesome. talk to you guys here in a bit. Thanks, guys. We are back here at the Vendor Pit of Misery at the Panic Film Festival. Panic. And one of the great things, obviously, with Panic Film Festival is not only are you getting feature-length films, mm-hmm. the phenomenal shorts, uh-huh. and the podcast, right. but it's right here in the title, The Vendor Pit of Misery. Exactly. You also get some phenomenal vendors, and this year is no different. Uh, we've talked about them a little bit here. Uh, we've actually had one of these individuals on the podcast before on Nightmare Junkhead, mm-hmm. uh, but technically making their feature uh, debut here. Yes, they're, 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 they're their first camp out. They are back, you guys. They are indeed the men behind the mask. Please welcome to the podcast for the first time, Dustin Masson. Hello. And welcome back, Chris Daniels. Hello. How has <laughs> I was going to say, you guys are very uh, very proper right now. What is that? It was the Joe Lynch thing I like from... Uh, uh, when they go to the... No, when they, no, when oh. they go to the, uh, the convention, they roll up to that first vendor table, and he's like... Hello. <laughs> and that vendor just starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> That's actually kind of Panic Fest in a nutshell yeah, for the yeah. most part there. Uh, so before we mm-hmm. get into anything, uh, where can our listeners find you guys out on the social media? Uh, uh, go ahead. No. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> we have a, please. Go ahead. Please. Go ahead. All right. We have a Facebook, <laughs> the uh, Men Behind the Masks on Facebook. We also have a website www.themenbehindthemasks.com where we accept uh, custom orders and everything that you can dream up, we can make. So, what so do you guys make? What is Men Behind the Masks? Custom hockey masks, any way you like them. That's more my thing. My partner here can make you a to a T replica design that is every scratch, bump, scrape, identical to something you would see in any of the films. So you're talking as if there's like a rabid fan base for that little franchise called Friday the 13th that you can cater to. Poquito, mm. Poquito. Mm-hmm. So uh, why why the mask? Why the men behind the mask? That uh, is mostly <coughs> his story, which I'll let tell, okay. and then I will I will book bookend it. <laughs> so um, maybe about six seven months ago, uh, I have a very big movie room, and uh, that is Friday the 13th is my franchise. So. When I was in high school, I bought a replica Part Three mask. You know, this Wait, a decade ago. Which oh, one? No. Which a Part Three? Fuck Part Three. Fuck Shelley. Yes, Shelley <laughs> is an asshole. Eat it, Larry Zerner. <laughs> <laughs> Not two minutes in talking about Friday the Thirteenth, and already we get the F Shelley. He said Part Three. I mean, fuck Shelley. That is your trigger. So in high school, I worked a shitty pizza job, making three dollars an hour, and I saved and saved and saved, and I bought this replica Part Three mask for. Almost two hundred dollars, and it was the only mask I had. It just sat and sat and sat. So what's the inflation on that? Exactly, yeah, right. yeah. markup. And um, so a few months back, I was looking into purchasing one mask from each film to hang on my wall, just to have a little Friday the Thirteenth shrine. And the same, the prices are outrageous. And I thought, I know these movies better than anybody. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can do this. So I made one from each film. And I showed Chris, 
And he was like, these are sweet, you know. So uh, I kind of toyed around with the idea of maybe we can make these and sell them. I think people would like them, and we're not going to charge yeah. an arm and a leg. And he texted me. He's like, what do you think about doing these in vending? And I don't know. I was just checking my Facebook page at that time looking through stuff, and I was like, you realize you asked me this on the anniversary of the first film? And he goes, no. <laughs> I have no idea. Right? So like, it's like, it's a sign. So um, we got together and started making masks. Nice. And yeah. their masks are legit. Yes. I'll tell you that. I Thank I own personally own one and Horror Club owns one. And they, and they are fucking phenomenal. I mean, Thank they're you. durable, they're strong, they look fucking cool. And it's not just the replicas that you do, but you guys put your own unique spins on them. Yeah, cuz I'm more of the I'm the Elm Street guy. So I like making custom Elm Street designs. I made a few WWE pro wrestling masks. I like a more loose I like a more loose base. I I've tried to do a few of the replicas, but I feel a lot more restricted doing that. My boy here will tear him up all day long. I'll get a message from him. I was like, made four part threes today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any so far that are probably more popular, just depending on the, which, mm. which movie do you think actually you get more? Seven. seven People and love five. seven. <clears throat> yeah, seven and, and five. And yeah, Roy, oddly enough, Roy, a, lot of yes. Roy, a lot of Roy love. Um, That's so bizarre. Does he oh, with a candy bar with every... Uh, we should start doing that. <laughs> But it's don't, gonna have like don't tell the girl half a bite, big old chunk missing out of the candy bar. It's like a used candy bar. <laughs> well, fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way you feel. Just forget it. I can definitely see how seven would probably be a big one as well. And so seven probably has to probably be the most painstakingly detailed one to put it out. It is. It is. Uh, you know, you have to make that chop exactly the way it is. Um, All the little scrapes on the wait, nose. Are you saying yeah. horror fans are very particular? Yes, right? they are. We are. Yeah, so We're the ones that'll get. He, he will message me like the chevrons are wrong on this. Like on a on a fan made thing, he's like they're wrong. Yeah, I get. <laughs> and get bent out of shape about it and complain to me, and I'm like, <laughs> I get you, I get you. But that's good. That's almost quality control. You know, I mean, like you as you guys yourselves fans know, you don't want like. Lackluster shit. I want no imitation. Right. Except yeah. no substitutes. Right. Right. Like uh, that Dream Warrior shirt that I po pointed out to him the other day. The Fright Rags. Yeah. The Fright Rag shirt where it's the Warrior setup and it's the Dream Warriors on it. And I'm like, that shirt's wrong. I just noticed it. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, look at Joey. He's like, Joey was part four was like, Joey. That's for Joey. That's yeah, not long me. Joey. The longer hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, holy shit. I've been wearing this shirt for six months. <sighs> Incorrect. Fraudulent! And as you rip it off, Hogan I mean, style. I, I burned it. I burned it. Really? And I, and I emailed Fright Rags and I told them they didn't know what they were doing. I'm just kidding. I didn't okay. really do it. <laughs> yeah, you I love you, Fright Rags. Fright Rags sponsor of the show. No, <laughs> no longer sponsor of the show. No. Everyone in our business there. Right? <laughs> okay, so, and like we were talking about earlier, you guys, and you still deal more with the replicas, but right. you go more the avant-garde The customized. Yeah. Right? Is there any particular ones that you guys are particularly proud of that you've guys done? You go first. You got one? <sighs> well, that the one I made of the um, <clears throat> the Thunderdome kind of design, which took a long time to make, which no one has bought yet, surprisingly. But that one I'm pretty proud of, and I, I love making my Elm Street ones. Like the ones I put four slashes in it. Mm -hmm. Those ones haven't sold yet, 
and I'm all right with it to a degree because I like looking at them. Well, that's just it. What's funny with that is you know there's someone out there that has been waiting for that, those two things to come together. Right, and when right. they make that, when you make that connection with them, it is going to blow their mind. And it's gonna and it, for any good horror fan like that, that's the stuff we dream of. It's just yep. those really customized, specific niche pieces that we're yeah. getting nowadays. Mm-hmm. I made a phantasm one with the phantasm ball design to it. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, my personal favorite that I like to make is the part four. I, that one has the most character to me. Um, the chevrons are worn off. The axe chop is bloody, and I make and I have a very good, uh, exceptionally good my, blood paint that it looks, looks wet. Everyone that walks up to it, they have to touch it because it looks like it's like it, he just got axe wounded. Yep. Nice. So it's got worn off chevrons. The paints, the paints coming off the nose. No, I gotta uh, ask, what is a chevron for us non-mask people? Yeah. It, like the a, marks. Like okay, a, no. The red marks. Okay, I'm getting these from all three people here. Like, really, dude? You don't know what a chevron is? Your chevron like shame. No, I, will, I will admit, I did not know what you specifically called them at first. Because he's like, yeah, I got the chevrons. And I'm like, car? <laughs> Gas? He's like, no, the marks. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Driving the chevron the, to the, the lever. The what's going on? Because the, the lever was, was dry. Was dry. Yeah. 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 All three of us are like, eh. <laughs> Well, bye-bye, Mrs. Voorhees. Hi. <laughs> so I've got to ask then, just in terms of when you're kind of putting your heart and soul into these masks, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, Dustin, that yours is, part four is probably your favorite. Is right. What Friday the 13th film is your favorite? Four. Okay. Hands okay. Down. I was curious to see if there's a connection with that. Hands down. I think, um, I mean, no, everybody loves Kane. I love Kane. But uh, Ted White is sort of the most terrifying person on the planet. He, uh, off screen too. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he made Corey Feldman shit himself, yeah. you know. So, which <laughs> I dream of the day I can make Corey Feldman shit himself. So, I'd like to think that only on Nightmare Junkin can you hear the phrase Corey Feldman shitting himself, <laughs> but sadly, they may not be the case there. I think I just made him shit himself. <laughs> Chris, a favorite for you on Friday the 13th? I'm always torn between, um, I love five. Me and my wife love watching part five. My first, first is my love, and my favorite was seven. And because I love the look, and it's the first one we watched as a family that within, funny, funny, we started like, we're going to watch Friday the 13th. 15 minutes in, uh, my sister gets up and leaves. <laughs> oh, no. 25, 30 minutes in, mom gets up and leaves to go do something else. About 45 minutes, hour in, dad's out. So during climax time, <laughs> I look around, I'm like, I'm the only one in here watching this movie. <laughs> and part eight was the one I watched beginning to end on my own. So I have a thing for five, seven, and eight. But if I have to pick pick my favorite, I'm always going to go with uh, seven just because it's my first love. That It always comes back to that. It's right. like the one you initially had that mm-hmm. that entryway into. And even at that age, things. having that like forethought of like, I, I, I distinctly remember like, putting my arms up like, why go? Why am I the why only am one I here? I have a similar story with that. That's also four. Um, my, I was left with my dad, and my, I was maybe seven years old, and my dad says, we're going to go on a road trip. We're going to go rent a couple of movies. So we go to this old movie theater, uh, you know, 15, 20 miles away, and they used to rent movies in this movie theater. And uh, my dad picks Friday the 13th, four, Nightmare on Elm Street, three. Yes. And Ernest goes to jail, <laughs> and dubs what them a combo, and dubs them all onto one tape, right? So Ooh, the magical, magical tapes. Yep, the magical so tape. when I was a kid, it would always start with Friday Four. You know that was the first movie on the tape. So I would watch Friday <laughs> Four, and 
magically the tape would end up getting rewound, so I'm like, I'll just watch it again. That tape before, is you know, onion skin thin by so now. So I can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Friday 4 was constantly on in my house, and uh, I, I'm sure that my dad wasn't even in the room when I watched it, so... Didn't have that buffer, that safety net there. No, no. It's like, you're becoming a man now. Right now. Through Friday part four. It was at night, too. Not during the day or anything, like 8 o'clock at night. And I don't know, you know, technically, I don't necessarily think the Friday the 13th films are all that frightening. But when you're a certain age, Mm -hmm. they're terrifying. They are terrifying. Like we were talking about the new It Is. Like, it's fun. But if we were younger, yeah, yeah, it'd be scary. It'd be trouble. It'd be trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because we were discussing, what age do you let your children watch that? My son is 8. My daughter is 10. And I said, I'm gonna give it about I'm gonna give it about a year before my I think my daughter could handle it, you know? Mm-hmm. We had that debate um, with Pet Cemetery. Ooh. We can't do it. But the kids fucking loved it. Really? Yeah, my daughter really? handled my daughter handled Pet Cemetery. And my wife and I are both watching her. I mean, we watched it early in the you know in the afternoon. Yeah. But my wife and I are both kinda <clears throat> eyeing her out of the corner, you know. This is gonna get her, this is gonna get her. And then the whole movie went by and she's like that was not scary. Wow. Really? And I'm yeah. like, what the? This is a different generation, yep. man. You got to up the be, ante for these kids because. Yeah. When I saw Pet Cemetery in the theater, I I had to leave. It was <laughs> mm-hmm. almost it was not quite a Hellraiser experience for me, but almost like, this movie's fucked. I have to I have to get out of here. I mean, like almost <laughs> panicky attack. Like I need I need to leave the theater. Yeah. So. yeah. Zelda was it? Yep. For me. Game over. And I he asked me. And I, I asked. He asked me, and I asked him. Is like I was like, my girls want to watch Pet Cemetery, and I was like. Dude, do you think they could do that in Zelda? And treat you like me. I think our old man age and being parents now is what is what fucks that us is, up. Because my son looks a lot like Gage. Oh, so no. Gage old. fucked me up. That, that's the, that's what made me had to leave because I had a little brother at that at that exact same age. No fair. And then that no fair <laughs> indeed. And when that Gage scene hit, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this movie. And it took me like five six years to actually like. Well, not five, six years, but a long time, like three more years at mm. least, to like finally watch it and be like, right. just the, a story, just... The thing about that movie that I noticed, because I finally got to re-watch it, you know, I mean, I I mean, we own it, everybody in this room of owns course, it. Sure, right. so, right. so it's always on the shelf and you always go, maybe today. Nope. You know. That's, so, not a, that's not a willy-nilly throw in. No. The yeah. So, you know, a few months ago when I finally got the balls up to re-watch it, once... Gage gets hit by the semi. The movie sort of has like a tonal shift. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's pure dread from the second the credits start. But once Gage dies, it it's still scary, but it it's a little lighter. It goes a, I feel a little lighter and uh, I can handle it more now that I, you know, it seems um, it's got some of them Stephen King quirks. Well, you know. The kid dies. Kid dies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so after he's so after he's gone um, you know, then you get the story about Timmy Baderman, which is kind of—I mean, it's creepy, but right. But it's silly a little more silly. The older you are, the more you're like, ah. <laughs> "You saying we're dead?" Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't mean you were dead. Dead people don't move around and talk. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So when you when you revisit it, just you can just feel you can feel it shift. And you're just like, okay, now I'm a little more at ease, you know. They want to play with you. Oh, good lord! You bring up a good thing though. How has fatherhood changed your perspective when watching horror? I'm curious on that. <laughs> I'm a sap now. Yeah, like, shit totally. makes me cry. My like, baby. Monster Squad. I cannot fucking watch Monster Squad because I will cry like a baby when Frankenstein is gone. Oh my god! Kills me. Oh. 
I did that for movie night, probably the first Halloween ever, and I'm by the fire pit, bawling my eyes out in that scene, and no one else is crying. And I'm like, what are what, you all are monsters. Heartless, yeah, you're heartless. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other films, though, that kind of change perspective with that? That, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Um, anything with, you know, trauma to kids for the most part. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, Animals have never been spot. a thing for me, though, too. That's I've always... never been able to handle it. I just don't like it. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Like, um, what's that Will Smith movie? Oh, oh I Am uh, Legend? Yeah. yeah, I was like, as soon as I was like, nope, dogs, I was like, I'm done. That's yeah. rough. That's, how do you feel about John Wick, then? I love John Wick. <laughs> I've always imagined like John Wick and Marley and me being a very interesting like double feature somehow. It's very and cathartic. Do it. And, and then do like it. top it off with like Hachi. Oh my God, Hachi! My, my Hachi wife makes fun of me so hard. I love that movie. That movie is so great, but oh my God, I ball like a baby every <laughs> fucking time that goddamn Hachi movie comes on. Oh my that God! That whole like he's in the train station, just like, waiting for Richard Gere. Oh, oh it's so fucking sad. Goddamn Hachi. God. <laughs> Megan listens to this she's gonna be like you pussy <laughs> fuck you Megan Hachi <laughs> Hachi is, is wait, till we get our, wait till we get our Hachi tattoos you there we go <laughs> just like uh, Richard Gere with like a <laughs> halo it says never forget like a, Hachi <laughs> and a gerbil hanging out of his ass and a, <laughs> don't you do that sir don't you do that sir <laughs> Oh shit! We've gone Corey Feldman shitting himself to, to now Richard Gere with the tattoo of Richard Gere with the gerbil up his ass yeah. with angel wings that says within, never forget. Within ten minutes, yeah. roughly too. That's right. impressive. That is truly impressive. <laughs> That's how it is when you hang out with the men with behind the, men the mask. The mask. Oh, I was gonna say to bring it back to the men behind the mask. Uh, do you ever get anyone like winking and going, "Hey, can I get something from part two? Not yet. <laughs> okay, I'm just. I send a, gro- I send a grocery bag with a hole in it. Just have a bunch of burlap out there and be like, just in case. Own. There you yeah. go. Yep. Done. You just cut a hole. <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. And it, it screen be, accurate. Right? It could be. It could be part two, or it could be Elephant Man. Like, yeah. Or I'm not an animal. I'm a. Even the town that dreaded sundown. It's yeah, like right. There you go. Night of the Scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are all about Friday the Thirteenth. Quick question: What level are you guys on at the game? Uh, as of this morning, when we got up about nine to play for about an hour and a half, which we've done in the last three days, being able to <laughs> hang out, I'm currently at one twenty-six. I'm like uh, one seventeen, one eighteen. I was proud that I'm level twenty, and like, oh, <laughs> uh, we are people that are that within the first three days are like, yeah, we're already at the level cap of one fifty. I know within the first. And Roy week. comes out Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Roy does come out Tuesday with garden shears and all as a weapon. So within they're gonna that, recreate that, that Debbie Sue Voorhees kill right there. I yes. hope so. And I hope one shotgun blast just kills him right on the dot. <laughs> <That'd be fucking laughs> Game over. Done. Right. Just running around killing everybody, and you find the one shotgun, just blow him in half. I think it'd be interesting if you could do like a Danny Steinman patch to the game that just makes it really sleazy. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like, why, why do we have all this excess nudity in the film now? Uh, oh. Grab her ass, fuck right. her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Optional director commentary yeah. on the yeah. side, just yelling in the background. Have you found any of the uh, Jarvis tapes that Adam Green wrote? Uh, Six. He's, he's got way more than me. I have two Six or three. Six of 13, and I'm two away from getting all of Pamela tapes. Nice. Yeah, he's killing it. And speaking of Adam Green, segue, segue, segue. Indeed. What was, right? What was some of your guys' uh, When did we get Michael Winslow on the podcast? Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
love, Doctor. He's about to speak. Game over. We won't take a partner. <laughs> when he always is in the PV movies, when he just shows up. <laughs> what the hell's going on over here? <laughs> but Definitely more of a nerd's tangent than Nightmare Junker right. right there. <laughs> so anyway, what was some of your highlights of this Panic Fest so far? Yeah. Uh, easily, uh, Joe fucking Lynch set Hands the standard down. for you're never going to be a more gnarly, laid-back human being than him, ever. It was Short amazing. of showing someone showing up in like a bathrobe, right? Giving you yeah. food and a drink is gonna, <laughs> gonna be outdone ever. Yeah, he was like super chill. He was like Lebowski chill. Like uh, during the Q and A, instead of standing up and answering questions, I mean, you guys were there. Yeah. He, yep. he, he sat down on the couch. He like sprawled out on the couch and was like, "Hey, we're just fucking hanging out," you mm-hmm. know? Like remembered my name. Like I went and I got all my shit signed. Like three hours later, like let's go back up and give him one of our masks. Nice. And he's like, nice. "Hey, Chris, welcome back." I'm like, "Yeah." Joe Lynch remembers <laughs> my is. name. Yeah, dude. And uh, my daughter cried meeting him. Oh my goodness. And uh, there's an amazing picture. I think Chris yeah. or Regina took. Regina saw that one. He got down on his knees and he gives my daughter a hug and he tells her, you know, don't stop drawing because she's an artist mm-hmm. and she gave him some drawings and you know don't stop drawing and be creative and you know chase the dream and she's bawling and uh, later I'm gonna cry based on I know, that I can That's feel it so right I know nice. and then uh, later in the night uh, he tells me he had to call his wife and tell his wife about Jasmine because oh, Jasmine wow. just touched him so much and I it was pretty rough because I told when Adam was here in October I told him about uh I was working a third shift job, very unhappy. You know, and I'm at 4 a.m., so we're texting each other in the middle of the night like, eh. Just uh, unhappy with the way things are going. I want to work on films. I want to make masks. Mm-hmm. And, and I work a shitty Bend, job. Hang with the family. Yeah. This family. And um, uh, Liz, Chris turned me on to their podcast. and Because um, that's their, all I do at work is their know, 10 hours of podcast a day. Their podcast kind of saved my life, you know, so... When I got to meet Adam and explain that to him, he cried. It was, you know, because he's a very uh, emotional guy. Sensitive. And, mm-hmm. Good. And it was, sensitive. It's just, yeah. uh, it's refreshing. You know, you go to a lot of conventions and some of these guys are really cold. And, uh, very you business. Know, give, me the, mm-hmm. give me the 20 bucks, kid. Let's we'll take talk a picture to you. and right. fuck off, you know, and they don't remember you. And like, Chris they're said, signing shit for free. And he, you know? and he remembers mm. Chris's name. He remembered my wife, my kid's name, my name. Very, uh, just, Amazing. Like we'd known each other, you know, 15 right. years. You yeah. know, like best friends. And um, he might have flown home. Like, Hi, and, I'm Joe Lynch. Yep. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe Lynch. And he he might not remember it tomorrow, but, you know, my kids are going to remember it for the rest of their lives. So That is one thing. I mean, not like, as you say, wax their car. but Right. D- is, term for Joe Lynch. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I was so impressed and just taken back how – down earth, low key, humble, chill, just cool. Both Lynch and Adam Green. Right. It was just amazing. And his explanation of the handshakes, and all, of, and like we do movie quotes and references all day long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's family to him. Well, and ultimately, I've always with Adam and Joe. They're definitely they're one of us. Yeah. But they're supremely talented, one right, of us. Right, mm-hmm. for sure. First and foremost, they're fans. And that's, I think, why they're so genuine and why they understand, because they themselves are fans. Right. You know, when Adam talks about his story with Romero, mm-hmm. I, it, it, you can tell in his voice, he's like, Romero's talking to me like an equal. He's telling me to go out and do these things. And you can tell he's there was that genuine connection. Like, 
when he talks with us, it's like, oh shit, look, these are our right. heroes yeah. in many ways, the people we look up to. And, and when like, they're genuine and good guys, you're like, it reaffirms that there's goodness in the world. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not like a big like touch feely kind of guy, but there's there that's the difference between like friends I made elsewhere, friends that are like acquaintances at work and everything. I'd be like, hey, how you doing? Yep. So anyone that's connected with like this, every 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 time it's it's initially like it's a hug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've every got time. some. And I've it's got not some even like a weird hug. It's like a, <laughs> a get get a good hug in. Right. And I was like, I've never had that anywhere right. else. That's the one thing I love about this community. Yes. You know, it's just like horror fans, horror community. Kansas City is just the fucking best. That's why I drive three hours for it, man. Indeed, indeed. So uh, um, thank you guys for taking the time out to talk. Quick question. What's next? Do you have any, like, cool plans, designs that you're working on? Any more crossovers, like a leather face mask? I actually have that. I'm thinking about doing a leather face where it looks like a Randy uh, Savage for me. Gunner, like the Gunner leather face with the mouth cut open and the one stitch here. Ooh, nice. Really been uh, toying with that and just haven't had the time, but now... Our next gig is Crypticon, so mm-hmm. we have we'll some, see you there. So we have some time to um, yeah. restock the inventory and uh, come up with some wild shit. So again, if anyone wanted to hit you up, guys, for custom pieces, where again can they find you? you can find us on Facebook with the the men behind the masks, or you can find us at the dot com with the same name, but yes, no one has ever been to yet. Yeah, it doesn't really get a lot of. I'm not. We're not uh, tech savvy. This uh, microphone's pretty fancy. I don't know anything about this type of stuff. It's got a blue light on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, got it at Kmart. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad thing. Sorry. Blue lights. Kmart special. <laughs> we shop smart. We shop smart. There it is. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys, Dustin and Chris, the men behind the mask. You guys, thank you Serious, so much for taking the time. Yeah. Seriously, check them out. Their shoot is great. All right, gang. We are back here in the vendor pit of misery at the Panic Film Festival. And as stated, one of the great things here at the Panic Film Festival is you get phenomenal films, mm-hmm. some of the scintillating shorts, and also the wonderful vendors here in the vendor pit of misery. And uh, not only are these next guests here on Nightmare Junkhead vendors, but they're also brethren from the Phantom Podcast Network. Indeed. So from the Attack of the Killer podcast, you guys, we have Tad Good. Say hello. Hello. Jason Bollinger. What's up, party people? And Mike Sanders. That's insane, Mike. Thank you. Oh, we got to go there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> please, uh, beyond with the podcast itself, tell our listeners where can they find you guys out on the social media? Attackofthekillerpodcast.com. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All Attack of the Killer Podcast. No individual assignments there? Uh, we work as one group. One brain. You guys like a Voltron, you know, right. individually you're tough. Like together, just yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I say on my Twitter does not represent the yeah. podcast, <laughs> just to make that clear, so don't go searching for me. Well, it's kind of funny, Tad. One thing he said off mic was, he's like, yeah, I'm one of the guy, white guys here in a beard with a podcast, and it's like, it's pretty easy to separate, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so um, how has your Panic Fest been so far, just in terms of even just the vendor pit of misery, but also just the films that you've seen, just the overall experience? Yeah, what's well, been some highlights for you? guys it's been a blast uh the highlight obviously is getting to meet joe lynch and adam green by far and watching their movies you know with them that was awesome and uh the movie crypt was a lot of fun so yeah but i I feel like i feel like uh just this year alone within the last few months mike and i have been just talking like man wouldn't it be great if we could just meet adam and joe sometime and like we, we were already planning on coming down here before we even knew that they were going to be here and just 
when that was announced, I'm like, oh my god, it like. It's we made it happen. It was a pleasant surprise. Oh, yeah. 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 This is my first time. They sort of just last minute were like, "Hey, we're going. You want to come?" I'm like, absolutely. If you got room in the hotel, the car, I'll I'll go wherever. And it's been a blast. I love it. I want to. I'll be back. So. So it was worth the ride in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I drove a couple hours to them. Then we rode. I rode with them for another four hours. So it's about a six-hour trek for me, and it's totally worth it. So. Where are you from? Um, southeast Iowa, Burlington, Iowa. So. Nice. Yeah. They are our brethren from the north. Ah, like how? Like yeah, north, north. Not quite Canadian north, but north indeed. No, right. Yeah. So. Um, Beyond the podcast itself, you guys also work within the horror film community as well, correct? Yes, we have our uh, film company, Prescribed Films. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, we've been doing films now for about 18 years, uh, mostly mostly horror-themed stuff, a lot of comedy stuff, but even the comedy has a lot of, a lot of horror elements to it. Um, we've done a lot of shorts, but we've done a lot of features. Um, we've gotten to work with a lot of great, amazing people. Like Linnea Quigley has been in a few of our films. So. Wait, wait, what's her name again? That's a little actress I think unknown. Uh, a little actress by the name of Linnea Quigley. <laughs> I was um, name talking. I was. <laughs> I was talking to somebody at our table yesterday who didn't know who Linnea Quigley was by name. And I said, um, the girl on the tombstone returned. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. You know, she put lipstick in her tit <laughs> and then that one party. Oh, you got anything else? Oh, you yeah, I just that? we've probably made fifty films in those years, and we're still making stuff, still editing stuff as we speak, and sending stuff to film festivals. We had a film here last year, and it was you know we're always doing something with that. That's how I met these guys. I run the Snake Alley Festival film in Burlington, Iowa. They submitted some stuff. I'm like, these guys have my sense of humor, horror stuff. So they they came down to the festival, started talking. We knew a lot of you know same people, all big community. So it's like. They, they had me on as a guest a few times, and then suddenly I just didn't go away. And it's like, well, <laughs> not, you're, just, you're part of the podcast now. I'm like, all right. Guess what? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would not go away. Well, you know, Adam Green always talks about finding your film family, so it sounds very much like that's what you guys found up there. Uh, what is the community like where you guys are at? Well, it's pretty spread out for, for uh, Iowa as far as Iowa's concerned, because Jason and I, we're from Ottumwa. And like Tad said, he's like two hours away from us. And then there's uh, Terry from our podcast, and she's in another completely different town. And then there's Brian, who is on a completely different side of the state. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of spread out uh, for us Iowa folk. But there's, there's a good community up there. We have a lot of Absolutely. good friends mm-hmm. um, that are in the community. And what's also awesome about this festival is like we feel like we're part of the Kansas City community as well, even though we're like uh, four hours away. So. There's something to be said about the horror community, how embracing they are for the most part, but even just genre fans in general, there's just something about, like you, like we said, the kind of that goobble-gobble one of us feel. Mm-hmm. And even the fact that you're technically on the Phantom Podcast Network as our brethren as it is, the fact that you guys are here, you've got your, uh, just your presence and you've got good material. That's, you, don't even, you don't even need to have material. You can just be a fan and you're in the family as well. Yeah. There's something mm-hmm. to be said for that. So uh, what are the logistics like? Because we're lucky enough to live in the same area for a podcast. What are the logistics like when you guys are like Skyping, putting that together? What's that experience? It's not too bad. It's just juggling five people's schedules, as you know. Because we have at least five people every time on our show versus it must mm-hmm. be a lot easier having two for you guys. But that, that's the main thing. But just having Skype and a way to record off of Skype makes it infinitely, that makes it possible. We wouldn't be able to have the show if we had to wait for everyone to get together physically. So 
it's been a blessing for Skype. And well, even your uh, your last episode, you guys did the Tiny Terrors, um, which I truly <laughs> incredible. <Critters! that's laughs> Uh, and I mentioned it on the live podcast uh, with the game show, but when I was putting together stuff for the podcast and the game show, like you guys talked about the hidden, right when I clicked and dragged a picture of the hidden. One of you talked about Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 when I was dragging my Sleepaway Camp thing, and I, I, I had to stop listening because it was freaking me out. Because I was like, no, they're in my head or something weird is going on here. But I do love the chemistry you guys have on the podcast and just with the kind of the different personalities and the perspectives that's what makes it a lot of fun how did the podcast itself come about it oh do you want to no, no, i was just i was gonna say like it's something we've been doing for a hundred years yeah. since well or before or the invention of podcasts <laughs> right for before really. the invention of the internet when we started making movies in the year 2000 like we'd get together at our taco john's and we would just all <laughs> sit around and talk and then we, they would we, close down, yeah. and we'd stand out in the parking lot for two or three more hours just talking about movies and horror movies. And for years we did that. And then a few years ago, like, we, we, we might have listened to our first podcast, and we're like, wait a minute, we, we could, we've been doing this for fucking years, why can't we just hit record? <laughs> yep. We could have had so much more episodes. <laughs> yep, that would have boiled down to it's just... We're already just getting together and talking movies all the time. You know, why aren't we recording this? Because, like, I mean, we thought there was a lot of gold in those conversations. Yeah, but always. <laughs> That's something we've always said. You know, it's, you know we don't, we'll, we'll be admit, we don't have a large listenership, but an audience of one or none, we, we do it because it's fun. Right. Well, we're doing it anyway. Yeah, so exactly. We just have a microphone this time. and Might as well record this. We're going to be talking about shit and horror movies and what we like. So And that's yeah. what the show is. Our shows are about. It's just... It's a conversation that you're getting to listen to, and it's casual, and that's what's fun about it. Because well, when listening to you guys, it's like it's just listening to one of us and our groups talking. It's just being part of the same fun talking about hormones. And that's probably the biggest compliment I can give any podcast is when I'm listening along, I will add myself to the conversation. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And I know that I'll be walking my dog down the street, and someone's looking out there, and they're seeing me just blah, 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 talking to myself. <laughs> I'm sure freaking people out. Yeah, what about... Oh, but it was fun because Genius isn't a big podcast listener, but we recently went up to Chicago to see John Carpenter live, and I had him listen to a few, but he had a great response we were listening to. I think it was The Corpse Club uh, and it was our, with Heather Wixon, and she was talking about uh, their favorite anthologies, and she mentioned Waxwork. And we are kind of a shared friendship with Spawn because we think that's an anthology film. And mm -hmm. Genius, do I mean you're... I was like, fuck yeah, it is. It's like, hell yeah, it's an anthology. <laughs> so, like, I found myself yelling along with them. I'm like... <laughs> Oh, okay, now I got it. Because I always kind of tell them the allure of a lot of that when you listen to podcasts is just that, that again, that connection. Like, I feel like, especially with, like, the movie Crypt, like, Adam, I feel like I know those guys, which yeah, is exactly. just the candor the, and the things they release and they talk about on the episodes outside of just the film communities, movies, and their guests. Just they get very real. And when they express themselves and they just they give that much, I mean, you feel like you know them. Yeah, absolutely. I love my favorite moments on their show is when, um, like, they have they have a guest on and they're they're talking about that guest career and whatever, and then that guest will name drop a, a film, and then Joe will just go <laughs> off for another ten minutes on that particular film, and then those two will just have a conversation totally unrelated to the topic of the episode. They're just talking about this movie because they're all fans. It's just great. First and foremost, that's why we were just talking with the men behind the mask, and we were talking about Joe Lynch and Adam. But they're first and foremost, they are fans. 
And I think that comes through in their work and how genuine they are. Yeah. And that's why I think they're so approachable and why it works so well. Um, Do you guys have any podcasts that you're big fans of? Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of podcasts. Guilty. And, and again, if it wasn't for Panic Fest, I've, I've become a huge fan. After last year, you guys had last podcast on the left here. Yes. You had those guys here. And the turnout for those guys was unreal. I was like, holy shit, I got to listen to this. And so They're this past year, stars? I've done nothing no, but marathon. Podcasts. Yeah. I've done nothing but marathon their show, and I'm just hooked. I, so that's one of the top ones for me. Uh, the, what got me into podcasting um, was how did this get made. Yes, Paul Shear, Gene Dian Yeah, huge fan of that one. We listened to that, the Sleepaway Camp episode all the way up there. Oh, oh that's a great oh, one. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Great where they spend like... 15 minutes talking about the opening scene. <laughs> yes. Jason Manzer's trying to figure out. it out. You can't beat that guy. No, there's a uh, like I said, it's kind of just on rotations. Usually, I got my Monday listen, my Tuesday listen, but there's so many podcasts out oh, yeah. there as it is, it's hard to compete. Um, how do you guys uh, put and promote yourself out there? I mean, obviously, going to fest- festivals and so forth. How are you guys promoting the podcast? And they look to me. Uh, <laughs> Everybody did it. Right. Oh, so, social guess, media. I guess I do it. And <laughs> no, just, social media. Yeah, we just we just. Do our Facebook and Twitter, and we, we do we have a segment on our show called Shoutouts. Mm-hmm. That's been the best way to get feedback from people and get people interacting and telling their friends, and it gives us something to promote every week or every time we're doing a show. And between all those, and that's the main thing, and just trying to. Oh. No, hmm? what? <laughs> no, you did your hand thing, so you're and done. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we'll pass the spirit stick over. My, well, we brought up shoutouts, and my favorite thing about shoutouts is like I think one, it has been one of the best tools um, to promote the show because everybody's responding to it. People who don't even listen to the show will respond to that post when we ask, like, you know, what's your favorite movie from yeah. this topic? What's your favorite Tiny Terror? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also really like it too because I'm a huge fan of like TV horror hosts as well, and and just just local the the lost art of local broadcast television broadcasting you know the kitty shows in the back in the day or or like the afternoon movie or whatever and what was cool about like a lot of great horror hosts is that you know you really felt part of the show because they would take letters in from fans and read the letters on on the air so i look at um, when we do the shout outs is is like the next generation of of that the next evolution of that like um, communal fan interaction with the sh- with the shows. I was about to say, what what are letters? These yeah, handwriting yeah, exactly. things that you speak of? It's paper emails. Uh, wow, there's such a thing as a paper email. That's incredible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also like the fact that you I'm do have the little. S- <laughs> it's got like hieroglyphic table on it. Yeah. Carrier pigeons, what have you? <laughs> it's uh, you do. You are able to break everything up though, with like you know the killer news, the shoutouts, and so forth. Is that uh, how did you plan out everything with that? Because as you mentioned, it's hard with all those elements going on. How does that work for you guys? Well, the show's just been an evolution. We're in our seventh year, believe it or not. Of re- we release our show every other Friday, and we haven't missed one in over seven seven years. It's nuts, but it's just been an evolution. And when new people come on, we're like, oh, we got to give him a segment. Like, Dad, we just are trying to work, think of something for him to do. You have his own segment, and and 
Yeah, it's just it's just been an evolution, and just we try things, and sometimes they don't work, or a person will leave, and we kind of lose their segment. We got to come up with something else, and and kind of tailored around things they like. When we had Justin Beam on, he it'd be like I knew he was super into scores and stuff, so we like we tailor like him to talk about a score. Or Terry is a, is a librarian, and so she reads way more than any of us do <laughs> and so we'd get her to talk about horror books and stuff you know just to do something different and cater to the strengths yeah at justin's incredible we've had him on before and that guy's an encyclopedia oh, of yeah. knowledge it was oh, good. a one-hour conversation easily turned into a two and a half hour conversation yeah. <laughs> it was, and it was just awesome yeah yeah it was good having him the first couple of years on the show and he was there when we kind of birthed the whole thing in a Taco John's one night. You yeah, know? yeah, he was one of those people that was at the Taco John's We're conversation. Just like, you know, we should, we should just get a microphone and do this. And I love that the nexus for Attack of the Killer podcast <laughs> is Taco <laughs> John's. It's been. <laughs> they, it's kind of sponsor. If they want to sponsor us, we'll take payment no less. It's been part of our film life since the beginning of time. I it's always it been there somehow. It was, this the, guy it was the same thing with prescribed films. It's like we're sitting around Taco John's like, you know, we used to make movies in high school, and we're like, we're at Taco John's one day, and we said, we should start making movies again. All right. Yeah. And then, like, Taco John's was, was like, the meeting there. place before we would go film. Something in the meat. Something. <laughs> got to be something. Ideas. Yep. It's an idea taco, burrito full of uh, good stuff. All the ingredients, <laughs> mixing well together. It's actually how you make a good podcast, for the most exactly. part. Exactly. <laughs> Pico the pod. Say it again? Pico the pod. I like that. Do you guys have a favorite episode that's come out so far? I mean, obviously, there's a lot to choose from, but is there any, if, if you're going to have someone listen to your podcast for the first time, what would be some of the episodes they should listen to? No pressure. My favorite, I think, or well, my personal favorite is our, our year-end uh, award show episode. The exhaustive one? That's just, oh, yeah. you got to take some time out for that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and our, our first year, we were doing four or five hour episodes, which is mm -hmm. insane because we were part of another network once and their feedback was just like, people want longer, longer, longer. So we were just like, all right, we, we can talk, so we'll just keep going. But the year end episode is awesome because it forces us to watch the current stuff. Like, yeah. It's easy to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it, yeah, yeah, but like, oh, we have it for a show. It's like this awesome extra motivation to like, and we kind of sometimes turn it into a contest. Who can watch more? And, and, <laughs> you know, Does like, anyone truly win with that one? Yeah, this, pat, this, this, this year we did like a spreadsheet. Yeah, so I go to the spreadsheet of like, okay, they've seen one, two, three, four, thirty. Oh shit, I'm behind. I gotta. I learned that was a battle. I didn't want to try to go up against. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I think it sounds like spreadsheets shaming somehow but, uh, or something. But it's awesome because every single year it absolutely just, in a, not renews, but rejuvenates the horror is still kicking ass presently. Like, yeah. we, of course, everyone loves the 80s and it will always have the 80s, but like, shit is going down right now that is awesome and. And that's, that's what I love about the episode. It's like the good stuff is still coming out, guys, and I'm happy to talk about it because it's awesome. We talk about do you need all these 80 fr 80s franchises trying to be rebirthed now in this new era? Because I'm of the opinion, no. Yeah. They worked for the time they were they were developed in in the 80s, 70s. You need newer stuff now, Always I think. Always would prefer to do something new, mm -hmm. you know, go forward, move forward, new ideas. Always. Do you guys have any, uh, what's your, some of your favorite new horror from the past couple of years? Shape of Water was amazing. Beautiful. Um, I haven't seen it yet. 
Me neither. You, you still haven't seen it yet? I still have not seen it yet. I'm super wanting to, super excited to, yeah. but it's just, yeah. I, I just haven't had the time to go see it. It's just, whenever I was, like, it was only playing in one fucking theater. Right. Yeah, and right. so, you know, it's like, I, I can't, I got something to do. So It was weird. I went and saw The Shape of Water, and then right after that, I went and saw The Last Jedi with you guys. And The Shape of Water screening kind of colored my viewing of The Last Jedi the first time I saw it. So I was meeting like, well, I need more, like, merman sex in, in this film I'm not getting it right now uh, but no I you know what do you guys did you guys ever see Starry Eyes by any chance oh, absolutely yeah. love mm-hmm. it you yeah. see that's getting um, the guys that are that did Starry Eyes they're going to be remaking Pet Cemetery. yes oh so, okay cool. so I'm kind of curious to see how that plays yeah uh, are there any what other else? episodes yeah what else is new that you guys I, seen recently I really loved Happy Death Day yes holy shit I that thought was that was aw- that was so much fun it got so much grief because it was PG-13 eventually, but, but like, it, it I works. Didn't feel like, yeah, I didn't feel like I was missing anything. It's not like some PG-13 movies, it's like, oh, you know, there could have been some boobs there or some extra gore there or whatever. <laughs> right. But I didn't feel like I was missing anything from this movie. No, and that's I. Well, we we come from an age where PG back in the 80s meant was, you'd get an F-bomb. Yeah, uh-huh. Tits yeah. and blood and all sorts yeah. of shit. But now it's definitely different. But no, that's definitely one that snuck up on the radar that I think will eventually... It might be probably one of those cult movies that will eventually find an audience on home video or streaming. Thing, if there's comedy in it, he's going to like it too. Yeah. That's a pretty good movie. Yeah. What about you? Um, last year, maybe. I I don't know. Everyone sort of goes to this one, but Devil's Candy was awesome. Yeah. Devil's Candy was fantastic. It has heavy metal, horror. I mean, you've combined those two. Ethan Embry, he's a fucking awesome in it. So, so good. And you see that yeah. What's His Bucket is going to be at Crypticon this year. Uh, the Maniac. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Shifty Eye guy. Yeah. 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 I'm a little scared to meet him, I'll be honest. Yeah, I can't wait. wait. Ethan Suplee, too. <laughs> different ones there. Oh, Genius, oh. different ones. <laughs> okay. One of, one of the things I really liked about, about that one was that, like, usually when you mix heavy metal and horror, for some reason, heavy metal is is part of the evil of the movie. Like trick or treat, like Sammy right. Kerr's the bad guy, or even Deathgasm. It's the music that brings brings the demons out, or whatever. But like heavy metal, like the heavy metal head of the movie. Spoilers, but it ends, yeah. ends up being the hero of yeah, the movie. Yeah, he's the he's the he's the family man. He's and, the main. and I wasn't expecting it. I was walking into this movie expecting like, okay, he's gonna get possessed by the ghosts in his house, and he's gonna k- kill his family, and blah right. blah blah. And it was not that at all. And even the heavy metal with the killer with uh, Pruitt when he's like, dun, dun, yeah. that's to keep the demons yeah. at bay. Yeah. So that was a really cool spin on the whole. Yeah. The heavy metal is actually protecting things as opposed to and like, it, yeah, yeah, sort of him and his daughter connected on that love of that music mm-hmm. which is cool and again like I never understood why you know horror movies would make heavy metal to be the bad guy because like because the 80s and it's God didn't want the heavy metal music it's easy but, you know? well, it is easy but at the same time it's like I, I'm a kid of the 80s when like you know the PMRC was going after everything yeah. and like the MPAA was going after everything and I just always felt like Heavy metal and horror kindred spirits, man. They they need to team up and not not bash each other. I mean, heavy metal always drew drew influences from horror, but then when horror's turn came, it's like, eh, heavy metal's the bad guy. I'm like that didn't make any sense to me. And as a metalhead, I was always upset by that because I grew up Catholic in a metalhead, which is a rough combination. Because <laughs> every time I'm listening to music, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go to hell. I'm gonna and go to hell. And the Lord said, let there be rock. <laughs> 
Well, you guys do Attack of the Pillar podcast and prescribed films. Um, again, before we leave everything here, let's go back to the vendor pit of misery. Where can we, for our listeners, find you out on the social webs again? Attack of the Killer Podcast.com. The whole, full, the whole words, all the words. <laughs> Every letter. Every letter. If you wanted to check out some of the movies that you guys make, we would check it out on the prescribedfilms.com. All right, so Chad, Jason, Mike, thank you guys so much for taking thank the time out talking to us. Man. Of course, fun. and I believe we're going to talk off, talk off mic, but I think we have some other things planned in the yeah, advance. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll tease it a little bit there, uh, but we're going to go ahead and we'll come back again at the Vendor Pit of Misery. All right, gang, we are back here at the Vendor Pit of Misery here at the Panic Film Festival. Mm-hmm. I'm here with uh, Genius McGee. Hey, what's up? So we're going to do a little catch up here. We're uh, almost ha- we're almost done at this yes. point. We are recording here Sunday at the Panic Film Festival, Vendor Pit of Misery. Uh-huh. How's your Panic Fest been there, Genius? Dude, it's been phenomenal. This has been by far the best Panic Fest for me personally ever. So, what do you think that is? Is it is it the movies? It's the uh, what 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 is compounding making this the best panic for you? The movies, uh, one absolutely. Um, the community, by far. I mean, just everybody just getting together to the love of, of genre films, hanging out, having a good time, seeing all these old friends, meeting new friends, um, uh, meeting Joe and Adam from the Movie Crib podcast, getting a shout out by them. That melted my heart I mean it really really did so no everything's been just top notch this point so far at Panacus Film Festival so shout out to Tim and Adam and everyone that is working at Screenland Armor absolutely because that's the thing while you guys are having fun enjoying movies there are a lot of people that are working their butt off, butts off so behind the scenes hats off to everyone yep. at the Screenland Armor that is just working above going above and beyond to take care of all of the Panic Fest parishioners mm-hmm. as it were so do you have any particular films that you've enjoyed most because I know you and I, we haven't really been able to see a we lot of films this weekend. Um, I've already seen Victor Crowley, and that was fantastic, and he was even better the second time. Indeed. Um, I've already seen Mayhem, and once again, this is was, the first time seeing it on the big screen, yes, though, correct? And it was by far superior seeing it on the big screen. I mean, it was still a great movie seeing it at home in VOD. I mean, I still mm-hmm. fucking loved it, but seeing all the background shenanigans, fucking Mount Baldy finding Wicket. You know, uh, <laughs> there is, and that's definitely something to be said regarding the theater and communal experience that you get at a festival like this, where, like, we, we joke, it's cultural currency. You're getting to see some films that people are not going to be seeing, may never get to see on the big screen. Right. And that's the one thing to keep in mind when it comes to that. So I've enjoyed it. Um, obviously, as Panic Fest continues to grow, we get more of the filmmakers coming in. We just had the opportunity to talk with uh, the, the demented minds behind Low Life, which was the first saw, first time seeing for me one of the movies mm-hmm. I caught and god damn am I glad I caught it it's truly a film that works with a crowd but definitely works for kind of almost like a thesis statement film for the Panic Film Festival yeah the, exactly the kind of film you expect to see at a genre film festival and I, I think that if our listeners are kind of like us which we, we obviously um do yourself a favor and see Low Life. You will you will love Low Life. It'll be coming out in April. Uh, we'll be releasing a lot of these Aprils, uh, a lot of these Aprils, a lot of these episodes in April, just because we've got. Uh, uh, we have a whole thing planned February's. for February planned out, and then we, of course we got into the Marth- into the mouth of March Madness coming up. So just logistics and time wise, a lot of these we'll see the light of day in April. But by then, a lot of these movies will be out in for consumption. Victor Crowley will definitely be out. Mayhem Pirates. I know. That um, was the worst thing. Pirates. And obviously when you listen to the movie Crip episode, Adam shares what happened. And it was really horrible because he got this news 
the same day that all these other wonderful things were going on. And yeah. he was a true professional, and he worked through it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell when he was doing like his <coughs> Q&A with us for Victor Crowley, uh, even the Movie Crit podcast itself, when he talked about it. That's genuinely a part of the podcast that comes up organically anyway. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad he was able to address it here in Kansas City at least. Mm-hmm. One of the bad things about Panic Fest, though, is all the riffraff that they will just let in because it is open to the public and anybody can just show up. Well, speaking of riffraffs and someone you've heard occasionally on the podcast, and if you've been here at Panic Film Festival, you've seen them all over. Uh, Dustin Ferrer, Mount Baldy. Shenanigans! <laughs> Hello, boys. What's How up, Dig? How has your Panic Fest been there? Sam? Man, I would have to say that this is... I've been to three so far, and this was by far and away my favorite one so far with... Uh, just the, the movies that were here, uh, the quality of movie, even like the, the shorts that you think are not going to be as polished. Shorts are awesome. And then the guests that they brought in were just incredible. We talked about just the, the fact that more and more, they're bringing in more of the talent yeah. uh, when it comes to Panic Film Festival. And speaking of talent, we're going to get a certain director here coming in here. What soon. was one Go of ahead. your highlights really quick for the... Um, I, found, I found the second Ewok bomb in uh, Mayhem, Joe Lynch's movie that uh, just released last year. And uh, I was very uh, very excited to see his excitement that I was able to find that. Yeah, we just said that you're the one that found the fucking wicket. And uh, like a 3 o'clock in the morning kind of deal. But uh, but yeah, man, I mean, that was that was really the highlight, getting to see Adam Green again after the, the Victor Crowley tour. Um, and then just getting to interact with those guys. And then, of course, you know, you get the, the addition of guys like James Balsamo. And then uh, you get uh, some of the different, some of the different, you know, talent like you were saying, genius come in and whatnot. And just, it's just awesome. Ah, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> the beauty of the Panic Film Festival is uh, the family here. And speaking of family, you guys, uh, one of the things that we love here in the Vendor Put of Misery is the fact that we've got a number of people and vendors, be them artists, photographers, filmmakers, and this is a chance, again, why I love doing this here. So coming to the podcast here, guys, uh, our first guest here, he is the director behind such genre fair as, we've got Killer Waves, obviously, in Bite School. Uh, He is an unholy diver. From Acid Bath Productions, guys, you've heard him on the podcast before. Uh, he is the hardest working man in the horror business. Welcome back, James Balsamo. Hey, everybody, James Balsamo here. Super excited to be back. It's always a pleasure. And you know what? I don't go anywhere without beautiful women following me around everywhere. So uh, why don't I let these beautiful ladies introduce themselves? Hello, uh, Jamie, and I'm a taxidermist. Wait, oh, hold on. Oh, now that's how you open a conversation. Jamie and a taxidermist. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to that because okay. that is brimming with possibilities right there. <laughs> and then. My name is Regina, and I am a urban explorer photographer. Urban? Ex- Jesus Christ, you already like dropping science on here. What is an urban explorer? Um, I go into the abandoned parts of uh, the city, and I take pictures of what has been forgotten different schools, abandoned uh, apartment complexes, hotels, churches. It's abandoned and 
I can get into it, I'll take a picture of it. Nice. And speaking of pictures, where can they find those pictures at? Oh, um, I have my Facebook page, and it is Red Vixens, and that's apostrophe S at the end of Vixens, photography. And you can see a multitude of different, um, I have five or six schools, uh, an abandoned hotel, apartment complexes, uh, and I do also specialize in cemeteries and creepy dolls and mannequins. I was about to add, see, Regina has been on the podcast before. She was on Talking Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 with us. Now, what you don't know when she mentions those killer creepy dolls or the mannequins, if you were, <laughs> as I think it's on your main card, your business card. Yes, my business card. There was a mannequin that was how that was in my house, and I think, can't even say it was there. It was haunting me, basically. And it's it one, terrifying. It's a terrifying doll. You you just have to look at her card, but I'm, I'm glad I was able to get out of the house, but then when you started putting together the business and I saw your business card, I'm like, oh, it just gave me that like PTSD, the thousand yard stare. And you know, the whole time, I, I do really feel bad that you're PTSD over my business card, but it's just my most popular photo- uh, photograph. If you can make some money on my trauma, I'm actually good with that. I'm all for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, taxidermy. This is the true art and craft here. So please tell how did you get into taxidermy? Uh, simply uh, got into taxidermy being um, going the pre-vet route. Uh, okay. Studied small animal science, large animal science, and anatomy. Um, decided that I was going to you know, go into um, being a pre-vet, uh, working at a hospital. And um, I didn't really, uh, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I love it. Um, I love animals as they're alive. Um, the only difference that I have is um, there wasn't a lot of money and it was like a hot house. I felt like I was just taking live animals and just doing things with them, sticking your fingers in orifices and putting shots in them and doing all these things and you're seeing animals that you really wish that you could save die and but you're helping animals too in such a small way by doing like dentals and things like that and um, it just wasn't as rewarding as I thought that it would be um, and uh, I realized I just wanted to work alone, and um, I don't know, I started uh, skinning animals out on my living room table, and I wanted taxidermy pieces. I've always loved them. I live in Chicago. I live near the Field Museum. I went to the field all the time and seeing the elephants and the lions of Savo and uh, being taxidermied, and I I was just amazed at it, and um, I really wanted to learn the craft, and I started slowly, and I worked as an apprentice for about maybe three to four years, uh, went to taxidermy world shows and um, just kept learning and learning. And I think taxidermy, you never stop learning. Um, There's so many specimens and so many animals that you could taxi. Um, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I think people think, oh my God, I'm out there killing animals all the time, but it's not that, or I'm weird and creepy and like Norman Bates, I, I've been called Norma Bates before. And you know, well, the boy's best friend is his mother. No man, no man. Get that bitch out of my house, Norman! She's a whore. No man. I don't run around and like jack off in glory holes and like go back and like mount little animals. She was, she was like a mentor genius. I just say that. Let me give you some advice. Um, find the clean ones. Yeah. So basically, there's a lot of misconceptions in, obviously. Um, I think so. Um, basically, or whatever. Really. Uh, actually, um, when I got into it, I became like. Um, most of the people that hang around with her are like these gruff like hillbillies and I'm like this closet goth girl like in the back doing this stuff and you know um, actually it's been it's been really good for me um, I, I have a studio um, I I mean yearly I take anywhere from 200 to you know 400 pieces in and um, I see a lot of other taxonomists trying to make it where they're like doing um, putting crowns or like cute stuff 
you know, on them. And that's great for them if that's a side hobby. And it, it, I like that art too. It's beautiful. Um, I'm more, I'm more of a realist. So no, that's I'm more of a realist. That, um, so that's kind of what I do. And so have you been able to kind of transition it into the genre fair, convention Basically, circuit? Basically, I don't um, have any pieces to sell for myself, and everything that I try to mount for Is myself it? gets sold. And I have such a backlog that I don't even think about, oh, my God, I have this raccoon that somebody gave me in my freezer. I'm going to mount it and try to put it up for sale. I don't even have time to think about that. I'm all customer-based. So. That makes I sense. have that exact same problem. I yeah. have to buy everything I mount. Yeah. Uh, so, I just went personally. We are we are kind of lower common denominator here. I just kind of walk around and whatever tries to mount me, I tell them to fuck off, or I decide to take it. So, right on. Speaking of fuck off and try and take it, James, what is the next the newest thing you got going on right now? Because you are. The hardest working man in showbiz. You, I I, oh, I gotta respect. One thing I wholeheartedly respect about you, man, the hustle, dude. Your hustle is bar fucking none. What about my flow? I got the hustle, <laughs> but is it hard out there for a pimp? Yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> I saw a few eye rolls there too, which was even better. <laughs> so what's your new what's your name of this movie? Okay, so let me tell you about my new movie. It's called The Lich. It's like Evil Dead meets The Craft. It's about an undead zombie wizard trying to get his crystal back from these three witches. And it features Tom Sizemore, Elizabeth Daly. You know, uh, oh. she's the voice of yeah. Tommy Pickles, Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls. Dottie. And she's Dottie in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And me, what's better than that? So uh, check out The Lich at acidbathproductions.com. And then I'm also working on Cool as Hell 2. Go yes. figure. That's got Phil Anselmo from Pantera. Uh, who else is in that one? <laughs> Brian uh, Brian Johnson, Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men, oh. WWE Hall of Famer Nikolai Volkov, Linnea Quigley is also in that movie. Cool as hell too. Linnea. Yeah, she's great. She's amazing. Her movies are so chock full. It's of incredible. Just <laughs> icons. It's amazing. It almost Didn't be- Linnea do that What's- little segment with the what is it? The beaver spray or the skunk spray? Badger spray. spray. Linnea Quigley does a song and dance about badger spray. It keeps badgers away. <laughs> I we don't need those thinking badgers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can almost hear that the honey badger doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't. He does not. Honey badger does not give a fuck. Yeah. No, I think you could act- hell, actually in real person. Are they really? Yeah, they, they'll fight grizzly bears. Yeah. Well, really? They, yeah, they don't. They don't like yeah. turn. They really don't the give a fuck. Yeah, they, fight grizzly bears. Yeah, they 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 will go against whatever the fuck it, in nature. If you ever read about them, they're crazy. Well, there's that. Um, if you guys ever saw Flash Gordon, Brian Blessed, the guy that played Prince Voltan, the big guy. Yeah. He is a badger enthusiast. He's like actually an advocate what? for badgers. I know. Oh, does I he know. wear the wings? He's like, badgers. Damn. Damn. I just see him like walking badgers on a leash. Right? right now. <laughs> Wait, were you in Flash? Yes, I'm the badger man! I got the wings! <laughs> and he just kind of flies. Yeah, with, with, the with the badgers? <laughs> so let me ask you this. How, is it, how cool is it to actually do a sequel to having a sequel to one of your original films? It's weird, you know what I mean? Uh, we, got, we got the love from the fans, you know what I mean? It's a movie that came out almost four years ago. You know, I looked totally different. I had stupid blonde <laughs> hair in that movie. Yeah, and, I remember and that a cheetah one. prince, That's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to actually then have like a chronicle of 
the hair from then. Just oh, yeah, in terms of you know what you know what's nice about making movies? It's almost like a time capsule. Like, oh, I was thinner back then. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked earlier about how you have so many cool genre icons. Mm. What is the process of making that movie and getting those cool people in the film? So I usually kidnap a loved one from a celebrity. <laughs> and if you ever want to see this person again, you will do a cameo in a James Balsamo movie. And sometimes loved ones don't make it out. You gotta remember to always feed your captives, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Give them like a granola bar or something. You, you've heard it here, James Balsamo's uh, Rules of Imprisonment. So that's right. <laughs> that's my next book. I was gonna say, make a great coffee table yeah, book. I'd yeah. like to see that from Acid Bath Productions. So. In a prison. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just in the middle, like, you just see prisoners, like, oh. Mm. Why, thanks, thanks yeah, right. James. Wait, 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 I'm supposed to get a <laughs> so you have your bevy of beauties, as you said here, but I think the biggest thing that you find in conventions is that feeling of family, uh, just, you know, the Saws family convention is family. How did you all initially meet? I'm kind of curious. Um, James pulled me in uh, with his <laughs> great hustle and flow sales pitch. Oh, he had the flow there. Yes. Um, I started going to Crypticon in 2012, but it was just kind of a one-day thing. And then it was 2013 when I started doing the whole weekend thing, and that's where I met James. And I just met Jamie the taxidermist this weekend. But um, now, can we just call her Jamie without the taxidermist? I I'd like to see like Jamie. Jamie the taxidermist. You know, that kind of has a nice flow off. The I think there. what it is is that people never will really meet a lot of taxidermists. It's kind of like we're a diamond in the rough. It's like meeting a random mortuary or mortician, you know, it's, it's just like... I think it's a dying art form. I think it's a dying art form in the sense that maybe people don't do it um, properly. I see a lot of really, really bad jacks army. You know, do you think so because of like the advent of social media, so many people can kind of dab into it now, and they can go to YouTube and look at like intro taxidermy and then mess it up from there? I would say, yeah, that's probably the reasoning being. I think a lot of um, uh, what is out there is the old forms, and uh, it's still kind of one of those things like it's a secret, and you're not going to tell your secrets. I mean, I will never tell you my tanning process. You know, does I mean, it take it all went, kinds of critters to make taxidermist fritters? Um, yes. Yes. I think that it takes uh, a level of skill of uh, chemicals and checking pH balances and stuff, or else you're going to screw your pickle. It's a secret. You, you know, it's a secret. It's an ancient Chinese hey, hey. Ancient, ancient, well, Chinese well, secret. Question, do you ever Frankenstein your animals? No. That's no? disrespectful to the animal. See, there's etiquette involved. Well, it's interesting. All three of you are in disciplines, whether it's taxidermy, photography, and filmmaking. That is a discipline that is built on experience and also, let's admit it, failure. Because that's to me is the biggest teacher is failure. Uh, let me ask you this: how, how have you guys progressed in your each of your individual disciplines uh, in terms of the learning process? Do you want to go first? <laughs> I, I guess um, I would say that in the beginning, you know, uh, you know, you're just trying to make something look like the animal. Oh, I've seen this deer. I know what a freaking deer looks like. You're going to put it together. Um, but then there's so much technical involved about you know anatomy and where the ear butts are placed. You know where they're out. What what happens with the eye sockets? What does it look like? What's a pissed off deer look like? What's a happy deer look like? You know what's more relaxed? What are you? What is your customer looking for? Nose right. pads, septums. Do um, you have a big calling for pissed off looking deer? Right. Well, <laughs> uh, actually, yes. There's a there's a there's an aggressive pose where they put their head where they where they put their head down like they're gonna horn another deer. 
and wow. it sh and it shows off the rack a little bit more. And you know, basically, the bigger the rack, the bigger the penis. You know, the man has. So they want to show that rack off, whether you know. So you should know, James Genius and I were all like, going, what kind of racks do we I have?" Know, yeah. so we're like, off our rack, rack in here. Yeah. There are so many double on boys. <laughs> we probably had more double entendres in 15 minutes in this interview already than the entirety of Panic Fest. Well, that makes sense, though, so, Jamie. Yeah, that. that's you know you're you're trying to bring it to more of a um, anatomically correct and looking at the anatomy and looking at 3D references or making death caps getting a dead deer in that looks really nice and you, you make a death cast of it and then you, you actually have this 3D mold where you're looking at it and being like, oh, here's this nose and then you're, you know, doing it um, and trying to replicate that and also, you know, obviously 2D photos of deer that you do like or you think that looks good. But everybody has their own preference. I mean, if you actually look at the animals, every single one is a different color. Right. They all have different colors. Their nose cap may be more black or whatever the case is. You get very intricate and you are building this intricacy because you want to be a better taxidermist and do the more you put into it, the more money your thing, your, your animal is worth. But in the end of it, you're just taking more time on something and you know, you have to do it for the love. And that's why I said, I don't want to just make Frankenstein little duck heads or right. stupid stuff. You know why? Because those people are like, ooh, I can make money in taxidermy. I can sell stuff, and it doesn't matter if it rots in five years because the person bought it. They're never going to talk to me again. But I want to make something to preserve something to respect the animal. And maybe that's my churning and my yearning and my in my being that makes sense and you it know, should you guys need to know Jamie is wearing a Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt all the while I was saying this Sorry. so Regina what was your what's your process yeah. been like in terms of the photography with uh, Red Vixen photography for mine it is more of a when I go to a place like um, one of my schools it, I kind of call it my holy grail of schools because it was like one of the first that I went into that had you know, a pool and a gymnastics area and everything. And then as I have returned to that school, like my first visit, I look at the pictures and it's like, ew, I wasn't standing in the right place or I just didn't angle that right. And as I return, I work off of the mistakes I've made from trip one and then trip two. And I just, because like, you know, our, our craft is very still. So we have to be in the right place at the right time to get that pissed off deer or to get that building stance without the sun being in the way and stuff like that. So for me, it's just a matter of being uh, repeat and returning to a place. And a lot of times also when I re return to a place, um, I'll find an extra room that I didn't see before. So each shoot is always new, even if I've been there before. That's poetic. That's poetic. James, how about yourself? I think the electrical piece of cheese is the tastiest piece of cheese. Um, in the sense that I've made the same oh. bad movie eight times. So <laughs> clearly I've learned nothing in 14 years of filmmaking. <laughs> but, you, but you still have an audience, though. There are people that they love They love to watch films. me get yes. electrocuted. That's, the audience is the scientists that keep putting me in this box. And they're like, yeah, you're going to eat that cheese. And it's going to be funny. <laughs> and then we're going to do a radio show about you eating that cheese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just prolonging the shock and this that's it. Well, that's the one thing I've been feeling very fortunate coming to conventions now and again being a very self-professed introvert is meeting individuals like yourselves that I never would have without coming out to things like this and my life being actually better 
for it. You're welcome. Yeah, you're, right. you're welcome. Yeah. Sincerely, sincerely. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so, I know a lot of the, a lot of your uh, like uh, themes and stuff go kind of in there. Um, are you creating a balsamo extended this universe? Is, there actually is. If you like, unfortunately, take the time to watch all of my films, there are nods to every other movie within the film. That's deep and enriching, though, because then the Easter egg. Yeah, there are lots of Easter eggs in all of my terrible movies. See, that's so. At some point, when are we going to see like maybe some of Jamie's work or Regina's work in any of the films? Oh yeah, you could see both of them. In my newest movie, Cool as Hell, too. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's nice to know that a pair of my tits, well, a pair of my tits, like I have 20 pairs of tits over here. I'm the total yeah. recall bitch over here. Once yeah. again, you gotta check the rack. Wait, wait, wait. Right? I have to tell story. You know, total recall, there's actually four boobs. Do you guys ever see the behind the scenes photos? No. There is a pair, there's an extra boob hiding under a shirt. Look it up online, it'll blow your mind. There's another boob. Really? Yeah, it's, it's like the extra kid. beetle. It's an Easter egg. It's kid, like yeah. there's another boob. Total Recall, I just blew your mind. James Balsamo, AskMathProductions.com. Uh, You're welcome. Another um, thing about Total Recall is if you see the behind the scenes, they're talking about how they did the um, that uh, the x-ray walking machine. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a blind guy walking the dog, and if you look closely, they cut... Right when the dog's about to take oh, a bad shit, shit. <laughs> the dog is about to just, the dog just stops and still like, <laughs> it's the funniest fucking thing. It's the funniest thing just That's to amazing. see an x-ray dog take a shit. Welcome to the party, dog. <laughs> <laughs> So before we, the <laughs> before we wrap things up, I want to ask, how has your guys' uh, any highlights of Panic Film Festival so far this year? This! This, this is the greatest thing ever! Oh, yeah. Are you having a good time at Panic, I'm having, James? I'm I have a good time everywhere time. I go. James is the party. <laughs> Regina, Jamie? Uh, go oh, ahead, uh, Jinx. And Tandem. I think this is my second time being at the, the Amore, Screenland Amore. Um, and, you know, it's always been a good time. It's a great feel. I think there's a lot of you know, Jill Six and Erica Kaufman yep. and Zach and stuff and, you know, meeting new people and everything and just old friends and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's more, I think it's more like cozy, you know, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, the really, really big fests are kind of crazy and it's more kind of intimate, you know, it's mm-hmm. easy to talk to everybody and, um, you know, really uh, pay attention to everybody because at the big pass, everything's going on and, you know, your head kind of gets clouded in what you're doing and you'll have so many customers it's like, Let's just drink beer at the end of the night and hopefully crawl our ways back to the hotel and, like, be dying. And I haven't died. I had a good time. Knock on wood, it'll continue. Regina? Um, This is my third year, but I've always just kind of come to hang out and be with people. I love the atmosphere. Um, This is my first year as a vendor, but still, I'm kind of finding it more being about just the atmosphere. I mean, selling some photography is great, but I love the people. The The hanging out. Yeah, the hanging out. Talking about films and Mm -hmm. horror. Yeah, and just finding other horror hounds that it's like, wow, this is, I don't feel so out of my element. And then you don't have to really, really, really work. You know? No, it's... it, when you're having fun, it's not work. I think it's, I spend half of the time talking about taxidermy yeah. and being happy. <laughs> James, how was your panic fest going so far? Good. <laughs> that's my best Garth. <laughs> that's we're really missing the Joe, visuals. Joe's videotaping us and knocking on the window. Not, not anymore. Yeah. Did uh, she, uh, quick like, question. Uh, what is really what is the process on making your films really quick? Like, do you have this cool idea? 
and you're gonna run with it, or you're like, I want to make this. Just, I mean, just a really quick like synopsis of the vault acid bath. I hate to take you inside my mind because it's a dangerous oh, place. Oh, there we go. That's where we're. <laughs> but it's it's really an interesting process from when I started to when I became a quote unquote filmmaker. You know, after making eight feature films, you kind of have to give a little to the fans and for yourself. So it's it's a mix of. Well, of course, there's going to be boobs in it for the fans, but mostly for me. And then Jesus there's going to be a, the tits. It's true. Rack them oh, up. Yeah. Rack them up. That's right. But uh, <laughs> rack them up, boys. <laughs> Who doesn't love tits? I usually think of the poster first, so the poster art comes dudes. first, that? and then uh, I don't make that movie, and I make a T-shirt of it, and then I make a different movie. <laughs> it's it's the, the the balsamo reverse engineering, basically. It's true. Yeah. Oh, go on. Throw enough shit against the wall, some of it's bound to stick. That's basically. Do you have a favorite movie of yours? No, they're all terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to really critique your own work or to say, you know, what's good. You get your ass handed to you in your movies, and a lot of oh yeah, like you you're right in the forefront in the shit. I mean, but he loves it when ass is in his hands. This is true. That's, that's true. Well, I, I think what's, and if I can say anything about him, um, I think the craziest thing is him having his own, you know, production company and seeing him um, actually make a film, get everything together, as crazy as it is, him come home, edit everything, get teachers together, get DVDs, you know, produce it, line up everything, it's um, and it's the hardest thing in the yeah. world, and I'm sure he could find people to help him and pay for it and everything like that. But obviously, you know, sometimes when you bring all, you know, I, when I've worked on films, um, you know, there's so many people involved, you know, 14 mm-hmm. people, there's set dress, there's, you know, wardrobe, there's art department, there's all these things. And this kid, this guy, this man, this crazy animal over here in this chair does it all on his own. I mean, yeah. everything all together. And I think that, uh, <laughs> that I think that is very honorable and pretty courageous to do, you know. We, we, we joke, it's not a joke actually, when we say and the he, hardest he working man in the horror the business. Heart, yeah. And, and he, um, he jokes as if it's like all a joke and everything's a joke, but in his head he's like a little duck, hmm. you know, on the water, no, with his little feet turning underneath. the hustle man. I mean, well, yeah. and that's how, you've, that's how you've created your audience. You've yeah, got a, you've I got a legit, oh, thanks, guys. just loyal fan base. Uh, that, you guys are too kind. What up? <laughs> What's next for us, Beth? What you got coming up in the pipeline? Do you have any things you're working on? Yeah, well, actually, I wrote two joke books last year. Uh, My first book, it's got 100 bad jokes, and it's called Total Punishment. You guys want to hear a joke from that? Yes! You know where vampires keep their beer? In the Dracula! <laughs> you know why vampires don't have any friends? Why is that? Because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you should really stop telling vampire jokes. They're so draining. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I have a high stake in it. Give <laughs> <laughs> have a sore throat because you seem to be coughing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, James. Thanks a lot. <laughs> That's the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. <laughs> no need to buy the book now. You just subscribe. You just subscribe. one chapter of yeah, vampires. <laughs> So, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time out yeah. of the Panic Film Festival again. We got James, Regina, and Jamie, Taxidermy Photography and Film. That's the kind of crazy shit you get here at the Panic mm-hmm. Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Where can we find you? Thank you so much. What? On the social media. On the social medias. 
Oh, uh, I personally am on Facebook at Red Vixens Photography, and that's apostrophe S at the end. And um, once again, you'll find a myriad of uh, abandoned places. I've even done the town of Pitcher, Oklahoma, creepy dolls, mannequins. You do have some cool pics. Yeah, she does. They're really awesome. I like the one of the the um, train, the morgue. That goes oh, into the wall. Yeah, I, that's yeah, I, that, it's I just really awesome. I display to get that picture. It was at the Glore Psychiatric Museum. Oh, God, And there. they have this area where they say, don't move the barricade, alarm will go off. So, of course, I moved you the moved barricade. <laughs> There's no alarm, so they're fucking lying. And I just get up on that morgue slab, and there I am. You heard it here first, folks. Breaking the rules. Yeah. In Chicago, there's actually a museum of science that's freaking amazing on uh, the Lakeshore Drive. But, um... Social media there, Jamie. Yeah, social media. Um, I guess uh, you can catch me at uh, Smith Taxidermy. Uh, I have a business page, and then uh, my Facebook is Jamie Gill and Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Hey, everybody, James Balsamo here. Thanks so much for listening. Find me on Facebook. I'm James Balsamo. I want to be your best friend. Check out all of my awesome movies at acidbathproductions.com or find me on Twitter at acidbathproduct. Follow me on Instagram because I'm on all those things. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Ladies, thank you so much. Can really? we put our shirt back on now? <laughs> no. <laughs> so check out Red Vixen. Check out the taxidermy. Check out Killer Waves. Check out The Lich. Be looking for cool as hell, too. And look out for the joke books with the foreword by Genius McGee. (laughs) (laughs) So we will come back here at the Panic, the Vendor Pit of Misery here at the Panic Film Festival. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you.